0: flyover footy we got a fun show for you tonight we don't have a ton to talk about uh but i think we'll always uh, pretty much find a way to, to fill an hour or so uh but first before we do that let's introduce the guests for today or the co-hosts jake how's it going man it's been a minute yeah well first
1: of all i don't know why you're saying we don't have a ton to talk about there's two games there's a potential announcement tomorrow <laughs> just got a cool city voice podcast so i don't know there's a seems like there's a lot to talk about to me, but, uh, (laughs) I'm doing pretty good. I I have to give you guys some props. Ooh, Stu's jumping on. Um, I have to give you guys major props because Matt, I know you've talked a lot before where you've come on and done a podcast when you're like solo parenting, you're the only one. And Claire, my wife has gone this entire week and I only have a dog (laughs) and I'm like struggling to get by. I didn't even have, I tried to make dinner tonight and my water didn't boil quick enough. So I just ate like, a piece of bread right before we jump
0: on. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, So I'm struggling on my own. (laughs) Is it because, is Margot becoming a diva? Is she hard to deal with now because (laughs) she's such a star?
1: No, she's fine. I mean, I had to take her on a walk, which I always take her on walks, but I am terrible at cooking. Like, the kitchen stresses me out, so (laughs) I'm very fortunate to have a very awesome, nice wife who makes meals, and I am just hopeless there, so.
2: I could def- definitely commiserate with that, but don't sell yourself short. I mean, my kids might need uh, attention or putting to bed a little more, but they don't require walks, so I don't have to deal That's with true. that.
0: That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you just throw them out the door. But I require just- food. So. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah, there's some benefits. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad you're here tonight, too. Uh, Santiago, how are you doing? Uh, rocking the Ravioli Boys uh, t-shirt. I love
3: it.
4: Yeah, yeah, doing great. Finally had a chance to uh, pick it up. Uh, when they announced they were ready, I was about to leave town. And then I kind of forgot about it for a few days when I came back. And this week, I remember, oh, I have to go get it. And I, I was running some errands um, around the Galleria. So I went and get it, and they still had it. I was like, oh, maybe since it's been so long, they no longer have it. But <laughs> I was surprised that they still had a, quite a few that people had not picked up.
3: Oh,
0: for real? So mm-hmm. I thought we could only buy it that one day, but are they R- still?
4: No, st- no, no, no. Oh, that, okay. That's true. You could only buy it that day, but there were they had a whole shelf uh, with T-shirts people had not uh, uh-huh. come to pick up yet.
0: So I should just come up and just like say names until the right one pops oh, up. Yeah,
4: I, I should have looked at some of the names and yeah. hook you
0: up. <laughs> That's what needed to happen. As you can tell, I regret not buying one. I almost did, and I decided not to at the last second. Terrible Maybe
1: choice. Maybe all those people still think it was a joke. Right. They should go pick up their shirt.
2: So
4: they're like, ah, oh, yeah, good. I made a, I made a donation, but yeah, it's real.
2: Is here. <laughs> See, nobody realizes that that's the team that bridged the gap between MLS for the Lou and St. Louis City. We were ravioli boys for a period of time. <laughs> right.
0: I just love they embraced it. Yeah, and the shirt looks cool. I wish I'd bought it. Uh,
2: Matt, how are you doing, man? Doing fantastic, Phil. Excited to be here. Excited Thanks to talk tomorrow. about uh, what should be a pretty fun day tomorrow, as it turns out, or mm-hmm. today if, if the pod's released on a Thursday or maybe the, yesterday. I don't know when you're listening to this. But... Yeah, I'm excited for city stuff. I'm excited for uh, a North London derby that Jake and I are going to butt a little heads on. (laughs) So on
1: on our... On our walk, I do have a neighbor who's a Arsenal fan. And we've never met, but I've seen him in an Arsenal jersey. So I was thinking, I was like, oh, I mean, Margo just wants to leave something a little extra on his porch tomorrow
0: morning. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty. That's, that's inappropriate. Flaming bag. I hope it's a flaming bag.
3: <laughs> Stuart, how are you doing? I'm glad you made it, man. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I just had to haul a bunch of uh, IKEA stuff up in the house. So oh, I was few minutes late. But... Never and done. apparently, the uh, camera's not working tonight. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. It, you, I pay you for the free advertising every time you put the flyover footy <laughs> on there. So,
1: I said it last time. I, it's me. It has to be me because I've never seen
0: Stu's face <laughs> on when we do the video, when we do the live stream. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Jake. Appreciate that. Um, As Matt alluded to just a minute ago, uh, something big is brewing in St. Louis um, is what the the tweet said. And there was a little tiny clip of a scarf. And that could be an S. That could be a C in the bottom corner over there. Um, Brewing uh, suggests perhaps beer. And so that's kind of the discussion we've been talking about. And the last thing I'll say is that that S could be like a select, Bud Select S. It could be. Could be a C for city. Who knows? Uh, but i think we're all assuming one overarching company right so let's let's talk this out matt what were you what
2: were you thinking when you tweeted about it now city's done something similar to this before where you get a better picture if you follow them on all of their social media accounts i've noticed this yes so so they'll release a picture on on twitter they'll release a the same or a slightly different picture on Facebook, Instagram might have like a, a combination or maybe they are release them all on the app, but I'm, I'm, they did the same thing today to where I looked at Twitter first, like I always do. And I saw that C or S or whatever the little cutoff letter was on the bottom. And so I was like, okay, they're doing some kind of like offset city or Salem city. You know? And the, the hint on this one on Twitter is the, the fact that it's on an animal Mm-hmm. And it definitely clearly looks like it's a horse or a Clydesdale in this case. Oh, cool. But but if you look on Facebook, there's a slightly different angle to the scarf and you can see a different script and a, a different letter on a different part of the scarf. And any anybody with a passing knowledge of St. Louis <laughs> can tell you that that is the A on Anheuser-Busch
0: isn't it funny like script really goes a long way even partial letters you can tell what the font is it's crazy
2: i mean when when it's all about branding and marketing they they do it right and they do it very unique and it's very noticeable when you can see a small portion of it Stuart, sounds like you saw
0: that as well and we're thinking the same thing huh
3: yeah no it's the top part of the a of anheuser and ab it's 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 very striking. It's It yeah. can't be anything else. They might as
2: well have put a bow tie on it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I keep meaning to like involve. Yeah, I'm not going to try to do it. I keep meaning to get pictures because I can like put a picture in front of our faces so everyone could look at it. But I just don't. I'm not. I'm going to mess something up if I try it. Jake, Santiago, what do you guys think about all of this? I know we I know we all like brought our beers, right? Matt, you brought like a whole 12 pack. To share with everybody?
2: Oh yeah. I live right next to a Walgreens. And so I stopped in and I was like, what kind of fun AB product will they have? <laughs> Not much. So I ended up with uh, a nice 12 pack, which I guess I'll get some use out of because they will be a sponsor. Maybe <laughs> it'll be fun to drink at some point. I have my book. I, fig- I figure if I'm going to drink an AB product, I'm going to drink a decently good AB product. And so this is one of the only good tasting ones to me that they have. <laughs> San Diego <laughs> has Natter Days, which I thought was a really nice move,
0: actually.
4: Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, let me see what I have in the fridge. And I found uh, some Natter Days. I good said, for well, a hot no, day. Probably nobody else will, will pull that one. So that's what I'm going to drink tonight.
2: <laughs> Appropriate since we broke the the temperature record in St. Louis today. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Nasty day. What do you think, Jake?
1: Uh, well, when I first saw the picture, I just saw, like, I saw the fur and I thought, just cause Purina, my mind instantly went to dog. And I thought, did they get another dog? Like w- we have Margo and she's rearing to go for anything. <laughs> I, that was genuinely my first thought. I was like, is this another dog video that Margo's missing out on? And I was kind of <laughs> upset. And then I was like, that's not a dog. Uh, and then seeing the brewing and that, cause before I even read the the text or anything that, that was my immediate thought. I was like, they painted a dog city red and it wasn't Margot.
0: what the heck <laughs> i'm telling you Margot needs an agent like we she just needs to be connected to someone who knows someone in the club and uh you know she could get all those gigs but yeah i guess that's a clydesdale is that clydesdale
2: hair is that what we're thinking seems like it it I seems like it's a horse that. of some kind And so my thought, my thought is if it is, which that makes all the sense in the world, right? Because it's St. Louis, it's AB and they've, we've seen the kinds of deals that they can pull in from these sponsors where you're talking Purina and Centene and tens of millions of dollars. And so having a high dollar sponsor makes all the sense in the world and it is still technically local it i mean north american headquarters is in st louis Mm -hmm. so whether it's an international company or not i mean a b is synonymous with st louis and so that's how they're going to market it that's how they're going to sell it it's pretty clear it's a local partnership um to them but my question and i think if we've seen a few of these comments so far and we'll again know by the time the pod is released but which beer brand are they going to use as the main sponsor I, I think it's gonna be Budweiser just because the, they're gonna go big on this one. Um, you know, they I would like to see like a king of beers for the for King Louis the Ninth type of thing, but I think I think they're gonna go with the main beer. Mm. Um, curious what you guys think if they're gonna go with like a Bush or a Mick Ultra or a Bud Light or go crazy and go with a Natterday or a Bud Light Platinum, a seltzer.
3: I think they go with uh, Budweiser. I think they that it's the flagship brand. Uh it makes sense if it's it's the most St. Louis recognizable brand. Like when you think St. Louis city, you think Budweiser. So to me Clydesdales Budweiser that script it all lines up. So that that makes sense to me. Yep.
0: But you did mention Matt that Char- this is what you tweeted that Charlotte were sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, but the beer that mm-hmm. they, I don't
2: know, what is it? They part- chose. or Yeah, partner. it was like the Ultra. They, the, yeah, the, like the sponsoring beer or the title beer or something, they went with Mick Ultra. We, and we've seen like AB do that before plenty where uh, Bud Light has some um, signage over at Sporting Park mm-hmm. uh, in Kansas City. Or Children's Mercy, I'm sorry. And so they, they've done that where AB's the partner and they use different brands and names to uh, be the face of that partnership.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Budweiser would be pretty classy. And I agree with Stuart that the script kind of suggests that. But, you know, uh, blue-collar boy over here, I'm drinking bush, so... (laughs) You know, Bush Stadium, it would it would just be hilarious to me if we have this blue-collar, high-pressing team and Bush was on tap everywhere, at every, <laughs> every place you could go. I think it would be hilarious. Um, if I flash this enough, do you think I'll get a, a sponsorship? This is my goal for the night. So Might as well try. I got another one here, too. If I can flash two <laughs> at the same time, does this help? Okay, just trying. All right, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about a game. Let's talk about two games, actually two games have happened i think we'll start with real monarchs we'll start with the happy one then we'll get sad and then we'll talk about a few things uh, at the end that will hopefully lift our spirits um 2-0 win against uh real monarchs slc monarchs um for a second i got i thought i got that wrong uh matt why don't you save me for myself why don't you start by talking about this game and uh what you saw from that
2: Yeah, so the first thing I noticed is we went with a pretty standard lineup. Um, We've talked a lot about whether we're going to start to get into a developmental type where we pull in some academy players with more minutes. Uh, We know Aaron Hurd's seen a few more minutes, but this lineup was Michael Creek in the back, um, Ezra Armstrong, uh, Hebert, Yarrow, DeRosa in the back, uh, Keel Watts, and A.J. Palazzolo in the mid, um, Celio, Diaz, Kuzane, and then Doling up front. So it was a pretty... A lineup as we've come to know it and i think we did a pretty good job of controlling this game overall the stat lines support that at the end um we've been a team historically now i think that we can start using historically because five six seven games have added up seven games where we two. don't yeah we don't possess the ball a ton we've been pretty clearly in the 30 40 45 percent range of possession but this game uh, we were up in almost 60% possession, went to City 2, which was surprising for a number of reasons. Um, that wasn't our MO, it was an away game, they had good attendance, so you figure that they're going to they're gonna control the pace of play, they're going to control the ball. Uh, but then you throw in the fact that the Rail Monarchs are one of, if not the worst teams in the league this year. And so I haven't looked into each one of their games, but just their bottom of the table so it makes sense that we were able to dominate them and it, it's one of those you beat the teams that you should beat and that's what ended up happening uh, but it took a while took a while for this to really kick in for us um we had the possession we had the domination in the first half but it, it wasn't until uh, the second half where um and I don't have the minutes in front of me but Josh Doling kind of took over Se-
4: 77 minute was first goal yeah.
2: and and he he took over to the point where everything that we wanted to see just kind of exploded from Josh doling. And as, as fans watching that game, which we all were, that was like one of the most exciting things. And I, I love the way it kind of unfolded because it unfolded in a very Josh doling type way, very prototypical of how he's been playing, where you had a different player. Celio Pompeu, took a shot from about six yards out from the center. It curled, right? It hit the right uh, post bounced off, ricocheted right close to Juan Cousin outright, who played it very cleanly to Josh Doling, caught it in the air and just struck it uh, into the top and buried it. And that to me was Doling being that facilitator who kind of doesn't, he doesn't command the ball, but he allows others to work around him. And then he's, he's right there in front as that physical presence to if he needs to clean up and be that uh, almost kind of facilitator fallback guy where he finally got his due that we've been waiting to see for so many games.
0: Yeah, what uh, What did you, uh, everyone else, think about this one? Uh, I thought of you, Santiago, because I think you and Matt both kind of tweeted that, you know, Tomas Gomez was in goal for this game. And you also mentioned the next game we're going to talk about having a St. Louis involved. But what do you think about it?
4: Yeah, no, it was great to see uh, Josh Stalling finally scoring. And I know we're going to talk about the other game uh, in a few minutes. But now he has a scoring back-to-back game. So it's mm-hmm. finally... It's great to see uh, three goals, uh, two goals against uh, Monarchs and uh, one goal against Vancouver. So it's great to see that uh, he's finally scoring. He, was, uh, he has been doing the work. Uh, he had some assists and he, has, he had um, generated some, some chances, but it's great that that finally happened and I'm sure that will give him confidence and I'm sure we will see more of him uh, in the next few matches.
0: Yeah, this talk about doling, I, I found it interesting. We're about to talk about the the city voice with Lutz fannish steel, and I'm gonna bring it up early just because he was talking about Zhao Klaus, um, and he was talking about wanting a striker, even if he scores 12 goals instead of 20 or 30, um, if he's putting in the work that they expect from a striker, then they're very happy with him, and I think. I didn't expect Josh to score because of the way preseason went. And even the first few games, I was like, you know, I think if we if he gets like four to seven goals and a bunch of assists, I'm going to be happy with him this year. But he's starting to look like an out and out striker. Number nine, isn't he? Uh, Stuart, what do you kind of think about this game?
3: Well, if we're talking about the game against the uh, butterflies, that's the last <laughs> one that I was I was asleep for that one, unfortunately. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, how did you like the replay? I, I was, did you catch the replay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and
0: we need to talk about that, but
3: I I love the loved watching the clips. I loved seeing um, Matt's tweets when I woke up. <laughs> um, Seeing all that stuff, but yeah, no, I was—I uh, think I was in the UK for that one, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, you were. Sorry about that.
2: I forgot Can we about talk that. about that for a second, though? <laughs> yeah. How, how awesome the announcers were for that game. Yeah, I had to. That's I mean I was going to mention. Yeah. I wanted to make. I'll let you talk about them. Then I just want to call their names out. Landon Southwick and Tom Hackett killed it in that match.
1: Yeah, they. I mean, coming into MLS next pro and uh hearing hearing all the negatives about of course it's they're they're still figuring it out and some people are going to do it better than others but they set the standard for how it should be done they like just shout out to salt lake and the the program and the team for actually putting in especially when they do have an mls team and still to make the effort to make it a, a good production um because even we had multiple camera angles um hmm. and then yeah the the announcers were fantastic and <laughs> us, St. Louis, not just us fly over, but St. Louis fans, of course, were watching it. Um, and we were just getting so many shout outs because, well, it kind of turned into a game we where like, let's see, because I chimed in after Matt got his shout out,
0: like, wow, well, <laughs> let me see if I
1: can get him to shout out Margo. And he did yeah. like two minutes later. But not only that in the interaction, but they were they did a, a really good job. And it was just really cool to have that experience because it felt like a big game experience where we were part of it. Um, obviously, we're excited about it. That was one of the comments was, oh, yeah. I mean, that was my tweet, too, was saying something about chomping at the – St. Louis fans are chomping at the bit to get going. And, yeah, I and mean, that proved it, the fact that they just kept shouting out St. Louis people watching the game, which was fantastic. And then even after the first goal, when the, the feed cut, <laughs> the commentators oh, yeah. started tweet tweeting us updates, too, because we asked awesome. them, so like We can't see that the game, and then they're, like, tweeting us updates. And, yeah, so – Big props to them. That was really cool. Uh, another thing I was going to reference um, the City Voice podcast you mentioned, which we're going to get into. But specifically, this game, Lutz mentioned about when he was talking about traveling across the country and regions, and he he said it was it's interesting seeing this game now and like looking back and hearing those comments because he mentioned they're like oh yeah, traveling to Salt Lake, the players like oh why are we so tired? Mm-hmm. And just on that note of our our style of play takes a lot of energy and he mentioned he wants the players who will go and give it all and, and can physically do it for 90 minutes and hearing those comments and looking back at this game and just to be able to grind it out on uh in higher altitude and come out with the win with two goals late in the game just uh is really exciting and that's really cool to see like hearing those comments from the from the podcast is really cool
0: completely agree yeah real monarchs were like they were kind of set up you know the two teams kind of have been doing this for a long time and landon's been with the monarchs since you know i think from the beginning and he's been doing his thing uh but man even the best announcers in like usl uh, don't read tweets during the game very often. You know, I love that he did that. That is so cool because I don't know how many times, and it, it, it's never, I'm not even saying like someone like me or Matt, like just random people have such cool things to say during a game or, you know, especially if you don't know enough about the team or the opposing team, which Landon did. He knew a lot of stuff. But a lot of those announcers in USL have no idea about the other team. It'd be nice if they would read some tweets once in a while and be like, yeah, this just came in from what's his name to say that and this is a fun
2: fact about the team. And that's a really good. So one of the tweets that I sent uh, was to that exact point. And I thought the fact that he read it, not just because it was from me, but the content of it being uh, Sergio Rivas had uh, he said he's, he's a midfielder. And last week he played or the week before he played as a. Uh, left back, and at, at Real Monarchs he played at a right back, or vice versa. But the fact that he had, he came into the game playing a different position than he had been used to, I think that it, to a neutral fan who's just viewing that adds a lot to know that St. Louis is trying different things, or they're putting players in different positions than they're used to. I think if you're if you're interested in the players and the formations and everything. And you're just coming into this as a Monarchs fan or as a St. Louis fan who maybe don't, you're just following it casually. Mm -hmm. That kind of content adds to it. And the fact that they're willing to bring in different opinions from others who know that, I think that just enhances their own broadcast. Yeah, I agree.
0: I'd love to see more of that. Um, Even as high as MLS, I think it'd be really cool to read that kind of thing from time to time. Well,
2: you know, what's funny. Taylor Twelman does that too. He'll respond to tweets while he's on air. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, And, you know what, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to do and he won't read it on air, but mm-hmm. he'll he'll respond to tweets That's on true. Twitter while he's broadcasting. And I think it just adds to the engagement that he has with fans. So there's nothing like unprofessional about that concept <laughs> that that you can't interact with fans or you can't bring what they're doing into the game or take the game to the fans while you're broadcasting. And I thought that was really cool the way they did it. Also
0: shows how good at their jobs they are. I'd be so scared to text while I was trying to pay attention to a game. Right, right. (laughs) Right. Or, uh, you. you know, tweet.
4: Yeah, like imagine missing like a goal or, or an important part of the game just because you're tweeting.
0: Yeah. I've gotten some from Devin Kurt and during games where I'm like, hey, man, great job today. And I just expect him to respond the next morning. And like five seconds later, he's like, thanks, <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't have to pay attention as much. He's got Mike Watts doing all the hard work, right? Right. Uh, which is what you do, right, Santiago? You do the play by play. So, yeah, play you can't by look play. Away.
4: Yeah. It yeah, I, I wouldn't look. be able to do it. <laughs>
0: all right well let's talk about the next game it's not as um uh happy an ending but you know so it was a 2-1 lost st louis city 2 to, to white caps fc2 um but we were looking at the stats and we were talking about it before the game not terribly unlock unlike real monarchs but um different result right um who wants to lead jake what do you want to lead off on this one did you watch the game I caught about half of it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Before you go, actually, too, because I want to complain about this. Um, I caught the first bit, and then I play. I'm a musician, so Friday and Saturday nights, I don't have a choice. I got to go do these things sometimes. And I've always watched the game first thing the next morning. We can't do that with MLS Next Pro. It's driving me freaking crazy. I would have totally been ready for this show. I would have watched it and been prepared. And all I got is stats for you guys. So that's, like, disappointing (laughs) to me personally. (laughs) Um, but sorry, go go ahead, Jake. Uh, what you feel about the game and the parts that you saw?
1: So, I'm gonna. So, I guess not this game specifically, but I was I was gonna ask you guys take in uh, opinions, looking at, at other teams specifically. Well, this this game is gonna be a bad example because we lost. But seeing these other MLS Next Pro teams, I was gonna ask you guys if you do you feel St. Louis City has more of a, a slight advantage, like depending on like the players we brought in compared to. Are other teams playing more Academy players? Um, Cause it's something I noticed a lot in uh, like if the commentators are mentioning like just all the young players. And of course we're playing young players too, but we're also, we got guys coming in who are straight away or some of them hopefully going to play pro MLS next season. Um, like, do we kind of have an older crop of players or a little slightly more experienced players than some of these other teams And does that give us a slight advantage? Obviously, I think since this is the focus, this is kind of the first team at the moment. Are we a little more driven? Like, does that give us a little more advantage? Um, I was wondering your guys' thoughts on that. Because that's, I think it was more Monarchs. I noticed they had a lot of young guys. And I Mm -hmm. I noticed them talking about the young guys a lot. It was like, are we playing slightly at a higher level based on the guys that we signed for this?
4: So, so I think you will see a mix, uh, depends on the team uh, we play against. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, the Monarchs, uh, they had a younger lineup. But for example, um, Minnesota, Tacoma, they brought some, some of the guys from their first team roster. And yeah, a mix of guys from the first team roster with some younger guys. Vancouver had, a, I think it was four or their, of their super draft picks from this year. And a couple of guys uh, from the senior roster—they had not had a lot of minutes, but but you will always see that mix.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think when I, I I think the mix of it seems top heavy from a lot of these other clubs where you're having uh, like four to six players from the senior roster, and then you have a lot of either academy or uh, some of the new fresh signings. Because I think most teams that did not have a two team only ended up signing eight to ten at most. Uh, players for their two teams so the rest of their club is is comprised of either academy players on amateur contracts or first teamers that they loan down or that come down for a week or two and when i look at a lot of the the rosters tacoma had one minnesota had one i think vancouver had another where there's a couple players who you'll find are either in minnesota's case a designated player who didn't play against us thankfully but um those if you look at MLS rosters, there's slots that that signify your basically your importance to them. And there's only a couple instances where you have like main uh, roster positions, like one through 20, so to speak, of, of the roster. And that's your senior squad, um, homegrowns, um, league minimum players, uh, super draft picks, all those guys could be these other roster slots. And that's where you're seeing the majority of the MLS team loanees or players coming down to play for the two teams is these like 25 through 29 roster slots. And so they're players who, yes, they they would, if there wasn't a two team, be with the, the senior squad and more or less ride the bench. Um, this allows them to have minutes. So they're technically senior squad members, but they wouldn't, a lot of them compete for minutes right now. And that's why this is so valuable to, MLS clubs and will be for us next year. But I think to your question, that gives us more of an advantage uh, because the players that we brought in and are seeing a lot of minutes now, yes, there are some college kids, but there are a handful or more players who have USL championship experience, um, who have a lot of professional experience that they're bringing to us. And we're seeing that at the very least, like if you compare our three MSU guys, uh, Sergio Rivas from WashU, the guys who are just fresh out of college, you can compare those to the super draft players in their level of experience. So that's kind of a wash. And you see guys who Ezra uh, Kwame, the, the players who are coming in, um, I think Ben DeRosa was it with Charleston, if I remember correctly, but the players are coming in from USL championship experience. They are more the, the veterans on our team, uh, with Josh Yarrow, who give us that, that, Advantage that you're kind of looking at and and that juxtaposed with the fact that we haven't been playing our academy players a whole lot And some of these other clubs might be putting their academy players in for heavier minutes. We just haven't seen that we've seen uh, Glimpses of them. Um, we've seen a start a spot start here and there But we haven't I don't think we've seen a full 90 from any of the academy players yet No, so so I, I think we do have an advantage in the way that we're approaching um, the the matches with the players we've put on the field comparatively so far And then as we transition to what we'll talk about soon, which is the MLS players coming in in July, August, um, I think we'll only amplify that. Stuart, you have thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, just how we set up our roster is going to be always different this year compared to a lot of the other. Oh, sorry. I was muted that whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I am still, still rusty. You guys had a couple of weeks while I was on vacation. Are you uh,
1: building Ikea furniture
3: right now? (laughs) I I wish. I'm I'm looking at some of it right now. This stuff is on back order for like five, six, seven weeks at least. Sounds right. Since mid-March. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, yearning and churning to do that, but no, that's not what I was going for. But um, no, our, our roster was always going to be built a bit different this year. So yeah. while we have to fill that gap between the academy players and the pro team, and we're looking for diamonds in the rough, we're looking for depth players for next year. So um, <clears throat> like Matt said, uh, we're going to have some of those guys who are USL championship guys and we're not really I, I fully expected that we'd throw a lot more academy guys out there this year to be honest Me too. I, I thought we'd be seeing a lot more of like uh, Delkis out there Fritz would be starting more or you know Lucin uh, Young maybe in the midfield but we have a kind of standard a uh, reserve team that they've made. And uh, some of these guys I think are going to be around for next year too. So maybe you have a guy like uh, Martins who won't sign an MLS contract at the end of this year, but he signs for city Two again next year. And he seasons another year before he makes the jump in 2024 because the talent is clearly there for him and, and for Evas and, uh, and for Josh Doling too. I mean, fantastic. So, and Eric Walker, you know, I, when Eric Walker rehabilitates, I fully expect he'll be the starting keeper for City, too, next year as we sign it back up for Berkey. Um, but I, I think the really fun part of this year is going to be July 1st, which <laughs> Matt alluded to. I, I think we're going to see some really crazy stuff So, yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the – I'm with you on that. And and to kind of echo especially a lot of what Matt was kind of leaning into, I do think we're a bit saltier than most of the MLS Next Pro teams. Um, But, like, the other ones have, like, this weird – Santiago, I think you mentioned how Real Monarchs was mostly – young players and so it was kind of D- Tacoma Defiance mostly was too Um and then Minnesota they had a whole bunch of uh, a few ringers kind of involved and you know it's like a weird mix of like first of all I have a Zeal Jackson from Minnesota United too who was just a stunner in that game against us and if oh, you yeah. go to his if you go to lineups and you click on a random player sometimes it'll tell you his roster category which is supplemental slots 25 through 28 Um, which is what matt was exactly mentioning and he's also a homegrown so it'll give you that information sometimes of like boy this guy seems really good you can click on him and find out oh well he's like toward the bottom of the minnesota united uh ross senior roster and he's a homegrown so that means he's got some upside right so that's the other thing is like yeah that guy's pretty young But he's also, like, (laughs) they think he's going to be something special they might be able to sell to Europe. So, like, it's that's the other mix of the youth. Like, some of them are going to be a bunch of guys with high end that have not nearly enough experience that I think we saw in Real Monarchs. And then we get guys like Azeel Jackson where it's like, okay, this guy's (laughs) going somewhere someday probably if he can put everything together and get some minutes. So, um, yeah, I think it's a weird mix in that way. But I do think we're more salty. Like, we're more veteran and we're looking for older players to kind of maybe move on to the next level. So I'm really curious. I think we should talk about that another time. But I'm really curious what our team will look like next year. As you guys were kind of talking about whether we'll keep so many veteran players or if we'll go super young, because most of these MLS Next Pro teams, even Monarchs, used to be a mix. Um, right. When they won those those uh, championship trophies for USL. They were like one-third old guys and then a bunch yeah. of youth. And they were like, some of those old guys were ringers. Like, um, I can't think of it was Jack Blake was on that team that won the tournament. So, my God, that guy's amazing. Um, and he's older. He's like 24 or something like that. So, I don't know. I'd love to see that. I, I always think that's more enjoyable, and I think it's really nice to kind of double down on some older guys and while you're still giving lots of minutes to young people. But um, I think we should talk about that some more. Another time. Any last thoughts before we move on to the next topic? Well,
1: I mean, if Matt wants to get in the game more a little oh, bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah we about the game,
0: I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> we, we I
1: didn't really I, talk about I, it. I threw that off. I haven't talked to you guys in so long, so that's like a lingering question while watching while I'm watching every game. I'm just I mean, real quick, I'll say I'm I'm glad that MLS Next Pro is also doing a playoff because it does give these guys something to play for um and you did see it in the when the white cap scored that second goal they were ex- they were hyped they were playing they were for something so that, that's i think <laughs> that th- those are my thoughts as i'm watching games sometimes it's like are these teams going to truly give it their all um but that's why i like the the playoffs you saw it when white cap scored sadly um but yeah, so I haven't talked to you guys in so long. Had to had to ask <laughs> a good uh, one. Matt. You should probably give all the cool stats about this game.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I don't hear about the no stats, Matt. Can we get real nerdy like right away? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get, let's let's go nerdy for just a couple of minutes. So the like I mentioned earlier, the the possession in these two games that we're talking about very um, atypical for for city teams. So the time of possession for this one or the percentage of possession. to 47.2, we had the majority of possession, but that's a very slim difference. It's basically 50-50, and you saw that if you watched the game flow. So you can see, um, again, I'll give props to MLS Next Pro for their stat tracking on their sites. If you go back and look at the games, every single tab has some pretty sweet-looking stats, and it, it allows you to really dig into the game, which is incredibly helpful when you're at the match, you don't always have the opportunity to pay attention to every single play, and especially from that vantage point, and you don't have a replay to go back to. So it kind of fills in the gaps a little bit. And you can see in this match, every five minutes is kind of like pitter-patter, back and forth, tick attack here And it, that's how it felt in that game. It felt like it was back and forth. There wasn't a whole lot of um, really attacking, like nobody had any teeth uh, for the most part. And you can kind of see, you see that in the possession, but the other thing that's really um, noticeable in these two games are the shots on goal. Uh, going back to the Rail Monarchs game, uh, we had, what is it? We had 16 shots on goal against Rail Monarchs. They only had four. We had seven shots on goal. They had one. So 16 shots to four, shots on goal, seven to one. So we dominated the attacking in that game. And the, the scoreline tells that story, the 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 play tells that story. The possession tells that story against uh, Whitecaps white caps too. We had 18 shots and they had seven. So pretty similar with six on goal for us, three on goal for them. And they scored two of theirs. So overall it's telling me the story that we kind of anticipated this to progress into, which is we are controlling the ball. Uh, even if we're not controlling it overall in time of possession, we're making the most and we're pushing the ball upfield. We're getting, we're getting into the attacking third. We're creating chances. Um, we need to do a better job of finishing those chances. Yes, mm-hmm. but it's also telling me that of the few chances that we're allowing, they're dangerous chances. That and we're giving up some pretty key mm-hmm. uh, spots. And the Vancouver's first goal it was a was a perfect example of that, yep. where they they had the ball in their end on our left side. They gave a cross over to the middle, and there were two attacking players that were receiving the cross. We had three three uh, men back our our three back line it was uh DeRosa Yarrow and Hebert they were back and the ball went just over Yarrow's head one of the attackers headed it perfectly past DeRosa so that the other attacker could finish the ball and that's a perfect example of what we've always been worried about with this high high press um Mm -hmm. attacking play is that we could get caught and in this case we got caught by two attackers with our three defenders. Mm. So that's the danger that we run into and that we saw uh, right, off, right off the bat. Now their second goal was just a straight up banger from a free oh. kick just outside the box. Oh, Lasso. Ah, that was, and on the replay though, so not replay, on the highlight, because <laughs> they do show highlights, <laughs> on the highlight you can, <laughs> you can see that we had a, a wall of sorts. So I didn't see who was on the wall, but we had a two man wall. We had another player who looked like he wanted to come stand next to the wall inside the box. And he, he backed off. So it ended up being kind of two and then one. And so where there's the two and the one here, if you're looking at the video, the ball kind of sailed straight through them and it did not look like it had much height on it at first. So had we had the wall positioned in that spot, it may have made a difference, but you can't really, you can't really blame anybody for that. It was just an, an otherworldly goal. So I don't, I don't blame our, our defense at all on that second one. Um, it just so happened that I think Ezra Armstrong fouled the guy just outside the box four minutes after he came in and. I mean, you can't do anything about that kind of shot. Um, But I do want to call out, too, and then I'll stop talking. uh, Doling's first goal, which came at the beginning of the match, 18 minutes in and really set the stage for everything. That to me was a very. So I talked earlier about how Doling's first goal in the Royal Monarchs game was what I was expecting of him based on how he plays. This was that to the nth degree to me where there's a throw-in from Ben De Rosa on the sideline over by the bench nearest the goal. He threw it in. It hit Doling. Doling had a chest pass to Juan Cousin right next to him outright. Juan Cousin had a short pass quickly back to Doling. Doling got it to Celio in the middle just outside the box. Celio laid it off for an incoming Akil Watts, who's coming from the left side. Mm-hmm. Watts passed it out far left to a sprinting Kwame, who then gave it across. And while all of this is happening... Josh Doling from that initial pass that he made is kind of skirting in behind everybody and made some kind of crazy run through the center to receive that cross from Kwame. And he headed it in between two defenders. So that, that, kind, of, uh, that kind of mentality, that kind of awareness, and the, for him to be able to see what was happening outside the ball away from him and position himself perfectly after facilitating the pass, that to me is exactly what I expect from what we've seen from Josh Doling, and I absolutely love it.
4: I, I love it too. That was amazing to see. It started with him and finished with him. Mm-hmm. That was great to see. So I'm glad you you also caught that uh, Matt uh, I, I was in the I was watching the replay. I was like, oh, this is a beauty of a goal, uh, great teamwork and he started he started with that chess pass after the throwing and then uh, he uh, basically went from one side to to the other and and finished. Uh, That chance. So that was that was great to see.
0: Yeah. To to kick it back to the um, to the stats, I I I think I find it very interesting that we've had very little of the ball in every game except these last two. And I think that's something to like you know thinking about that whole conversation about how good our players are and compared what do they like compared to the rest of the league, whether it's true or not. I think we're kind of viewed as. I have two ideas. One is that we're viewed as one of the better teams in the league. And so like be prepared when you go up against city. And I do think that's true to some degree, though I'm biased. (laughs) The other idea is, well, we've seen them win without the ball to go from such low possession to us having to control the game. um, The last two times, I find that to be purposeful. You know what I mean? I think, These other teams are coming in, and they're like, just give St. Louis the ball, and let's see what they can do with it. I think that's what we used to to say about Pittsburgh Riverhounds. with like Bob Lilly had the best defensive teams in the whole USL, and so then teams just started giving him the ball, and he then became one of the better attacking teams because he's a good coach. He was able to figure it out. Um, So anyway, I was just kind of thinking about all those things. I was so surprised to see the possession level being so high. And I do think it's purposeful. I think teams are trying to beat us by giving us the ball to some degree. Um, But I will say that I think the boys performed admirably in that regard, and I think it's going to take some growing pains. Like, this game was definitely a growing pain. But, you know, like I said, I only watched the beginning of this game, and I was like, okay, this looks like a Real Monarchs game to me. We've already gotten some shots on goal in the first, like, what, 10, 15 minutes? It was looking really good. Dolan got an early goal. And um, if we controlled the, the ball from then on, like I would have thought we'd win the game. You know what I mean? But we've seen that in this case, they were able to kind of pull it out. And was it an outlier? I think possibly this was an outlier. But I do think we should watch those possession stats and see how we perform in games going forward
2: well the level of our competition too plays into that because uh, i i didn't think too much of it in the monarchs game because if you look at their in their sp- space in the standings we should have dominated that game and so i saw it as more okay so they're they're unable to possess the ball even if we're pressing high we're doing that continuously uh we're dominating the the passing they're their passing rate success rate was only at 57%. Ours was 78% in the Monarchs game. So, they, I mean, we dominated every aspect of that wow. game. Um, Vancouver, completely different story. They're right there, neck and neck. Now they're ahead of us in the standings, but just by uh, three points, I believe. So they're a good team. And so that was a nice benchmark, just like the Minnesota game was, uh, where it was a lot closer overall, if you look at the cumulative stats. We still uh, had a better passing percentage, although it was a lot closer, 63 to 70%. So I think we're disrupting appropriately, yeah. um, and, and even on these good teams, we're we're preventing them from really stringing together passes and and possessing the ball and creating plays maybe out of the back or because like I said earlier, they had to send the ball to get their first goal. They had to score from a free kick to get their second. So they didn't ever create a chance out of the back or any kind of uh, fancy playmaking. Absolutely, and I think that that speaks that speaks to. Our, our ability to just make them uncomfortable, that swarming aspect that, that Lutz has been reinforcing on just about every interview he gives. And it's nice to actually see that working when you, when you see it with your eyes and when you look at the stats, kind of supporting that our team is able to able to disrupt the, the opposing team that much.
4: Yeah, and, and St. Louis, uh, as, as you guys already said, St. Louis, it looked, it looked like he was cruising and it was going to be an easy game. Um, it's just that um, the chances didn't, didn't go in. And um, Coach uh, Hackworth said at the end of the game, he was like, you cannot let a good team like Vancouver stay in the game for so long because eventually that that will come back. It's just uh, that uh, the team couldn't put away those chances. He, he said, well, yeah, our level dropped off in the last 20 minutes and that's something we're going to – Looked into, but it is a game that we should have won. Uh, but I think it's it's one of those games, uh, especially for a development team, you will learn from those games. So so it's it's also it's a good loss. Yeah, like it's it's sad that the team dominated and, and couldn't get it. And uh, Vancouver uh, could be one of those teams that we could be fighting with them for a spot in the playoffs. But uh, I think the team will will learn from this. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention uh, when St. Louis was cruising, I usually, when I'm, when I'm watching the game and like, take notes, uh, see what questions I could ask. Uh, so maybe you can blame this on me. Like uh, I, I was writing stuff, and I was like, oh, I should. It was like a second half. Uh, it was still 1-0. One, one and I was like, oh, it looks like uh, CD, CD2 is going to win. Uh, we're going to get a clean sheet. So I wanted to ask about having back-to-back clean sheets and wins after, after that Minnesota game. Then uh, Vancouver score. I was like, okay, so it scratched the clean sheet. But we may still get a win. And then Vancouver scores the second one. I was like, okay, I guess I jinxed it. So, sorry.
0: <laughs> it's like talking about a no-hitter, right? <laughs> yeah. So... Um, Santiago, you were really awesome about pointing out that Simon Besher was in this game on the Vancouver side, and so he played 90 minutes. He had an XG of .43, which is pretty good, actually. Uh, three shots, one on target in this game. So Simon's doing pretty good. I think he's started pretty much every game for Vancouver, uh, too, so far. And Of course, we're rooting for him, um, even if he did just beat us. With
3: his yeah, S- Simon also had a moment in the second half where he... Uh, Went down and he mm. really milked the clock for a few seconds. <laughs> uh, Jerk. <laughs> so, so, no, he, 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 he's a shit story. He knows how to, yeah. he knows, especially in Herman, he knows he's how to. He's familiar
2: with it. the field,
0: right? Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. As if AJ Pulitzolo wouldn't do the
3: same thing in that position. <laughs> yeah, but Simon worked it to an art form when he was in, <laughs> blue, so, yeah. Very nice.
0: Good talking, guys. I love hearing what you guys have to say about all this stuff. Um, we are going to move away from the games now, and we are going to talk about uh, the stadium. Uh, seats have been going in, and gosh, they look so good. Jake, I want to start with you on this one. Uh, we can read the word city in the seats now. What a world yeah well i mean we we saw
1: that in the renderings but i didn't imagine like how amazing it was gonna look when uh when when matt you posted that photo was from stl above or stl aerials stl aerials yeah yeah man that looks so freaking cool that you can just read city right in front of the the skyline and man it it, yeah i don't know it's i mean like i said you see the renderings but i I just still didn't imagine how cool this was going to B, I i think i just couldn't fathom it um and seeing those seats in there it's just it's all i can say is it's so cool because that's what it is it's freaking mm-hmm. amazing and, and we're getting it we're so close to like when everything is going to be done when the stadium
2: is going to be done it's it's incredible it's really exciting any other thoughts anyone well the seats have only been going up for a couple weeks now and we're already almost finished with the lower bowl So it it can't be too much longer. And they're, they're already on their well on the way to the uh, upper deck. So I think we're, we're right around the corner by the time we have our next episode, they might be done with installing all the seats. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you listened to the, the city voice episode with uh, Josh McPherson, right? Director of groundskeeping. Oh yeah. He, uh, he actually said that by the end of May, I think it was, we may start to see sod and, and, get the the, get the get the grass going so i think we're right around the corner to see a a vastly different overall stadium it's super exciting because everybody had their the the one comment i saw was like what's the deal with like the the few red seats around here and it was not i think a lot of people didn't remember didn't realize that they they start with the city red or the pink seats Mm -hmm. at the top and then it, it kind of pixelates down to the the river blue seats and all we're seeing right now are river blue with just a the pixel city red seats but man that city lettering just pops
4: i love it i love it just seeing the city the city and then the arch behind it uh, it's great i i love it
3: it's absolutely fantastic and i hope we never see it during the game Ah, well i I was was gonna say
1: it should be required that you have to wear white shirts on the letters (laughs) because (laughs) i
0: want to see people
1: and i still wanted to say city that'd be awesome
0: i love it only (laughs) <laughs> Only white people there, too? Does that help? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> Terrible. No, <True> no, far. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, don't mean no. It. I don't mean it. No. I saw the gears <laughs> turn, and it was like, should I say it? Should I not? I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come <laughs> on. Man. I don't mean it. Yeah, but uh Santiago, I'm not going to let you sit in those seats.
4: Yeah, but but guys, um, <laughs> I think uh, back to uh, the... Ticket gate conversation we had a few weeks ago. I would think all the seats will be installed by next week because the first people that will get their tours, I believe is May 18th. 18th. You're right. So I think it will be done or close to be done by next week.
2: That's cool. You know, the funny thing is, and I I don't know if they're still doing this or if they're just not worrying about it because it's all GA, but as far as I know, the supporter section is going to have seating. Now, it's all going to be, it's general admission, so it's not, you don't pick out your seat, and mm. the seats are all going to be uh, locked up during the match, so it probably doesn't matter. But I just noticed that that they're waiting. I, I, that's still the plan, as far as I know, is to lock right. the seats and install them, but they're waiting, and so they're clearly not prioritizing that. To your point, Santiago, that they want to make sure that everybody who is wanting to have the opportunity to pick out their seats, all of those seats mm. are installed by probably the 18th. Smart.
0: Mm-hmm. Did I see that someone said that it's on track to be done in July as planned?
2: July 22nd, July.
0: yeah. July okay. 22nd.
2: I wasn't sure if they I read said it correctly. They said it's 80% complete now. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: Good job. I mean, I
2: didn't expect it to be done in July. So, well, the first event that they announced for the stadium uh, is the BizDash, that 5K that that they have, um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: St. Louis Sports Commission runs. So that's actually taking place at Centine Stadium on September twenty second. I think it is. Wow. Yeah, and, and Matt already signed up, right? I, I I signed up for races, and I've never ran that one. And I made sure to sign up for that one because it was the first. And they have the swag is like a it's not a city gear, but it's like city inspired scarf and shirt. Oh, So cool. absolutely signed up for that one day Heck one yeah. to go, hang out in the East Plaza and race around the stadium. They're
0: giving out all kinds of swag. Santiago, didn't you get some free city stuff this week for some reason?
2: Oh
4: yeah, yeah, but that was because uh, my uh, my office uh, finally reopened after two years. Your Uh, office,
0: that makes sense. The
4: the new building downtown, so um, they had uh, some St. Louis related um, swag uh, bucket. Uh, It came in a bucket. Uh, It had a a St. Louis city scarf. uh, blues had uh, some Cardinals and stuff. So uh, it was cool. It was cool to, to see all the St. Louis teams, uh, yeah. in that uh, swag back.
0: Love it. Love it. So yeah, I want to talk this about this. And, and my segue will be this, that, that on the city voice, this interview with Lutz was just awesome. I really enjoyed it. Is it Peter Wood has been doing them and he asks good questions. He handles it very nicely. Um, and I like that they don't—they clearly don't pre-plan questions and answers. That that makes me really happy because there were a few questions that he asked that he wasn't sure what he was going to get, and I love that because so, when clubs run podcasts, it's often terrible, and like this is actually they're doing as good a job as I think you could hope for. Yeah, that's how well, you I'll, know that I'll phrase it.
2: you know that Peter Wood is no uh, stranger to the podcasting world and to um, interviews and covering sporting events right no i didn't i have actually not looked up what he's done sorry <laughs> he is a, a longtime arsenal fan who has done uh mm. podcasts and work for them not for the club but you know um like fan sites and things like that who mm-hmm. so he has some some experience in that aside from his uh day job as the content guy <laughs> okay yeah
4: makes a lot of sense i didn't know about his background but uh he he sounds so natural uh he, he's yeah, so good he's good yeah
3: but that's Zach Lowry's background, too, right? With Arsenal.
2: That's where he started. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Hmm. Yeah. But one thing, um,
0: Santiago, you were mentioning all the teams in, together in one package. And, you know, one of the questions he asked was, uh, you know, Lutz, do you like to go to St. Louis games? And his fandom for all sports was nice, but also, like, he really likes the Blues. I really enjoyed listening to him talk about how much he wants the Blues to do well this year and enjoying going to Cardinals games and him catching a basketball game in Salt Lake. Um, I love that. And I love that he knew, like, the Calgary goalkeeper for hockey. And they would mm-hmm. like kind of compare notes on on how to train and stuff like that. I thought it was great, um, but I think we should all kind of talk about some of our favorite moments in the City Voice. Um, Matt, I know you're primed and ready, so why don't you start? Us <laughs> off? Oh,
2: <weird>. so, <laughs> I, so I so much yeah. I I was listening to it and I was like, oh man, this is going to be prime to discuss. Like we have to analyze this entire thing. And so five minutes into it, I was like, oh, I got to take a step back. I'm transcribing what's going on here. No. Like, I've never got. But so one of the so the, they went in kind of sequential order of, of the Academy City two some MLS signings um, and then got into Bradley Carnell and some of the fan questions. So the one thing that really jumped out at me about the Academy is they I think they announced for the first time that there's a different structure for the Academy than they had previously announced. So they used to have all these slides and announcements that the Academy is going to go U14 through U17. And Lutz, I believe for the first time, announced that the U14s are not a thing anymore in the academy. So they're only going to run U15s through U17s. And he said that they've done their open trials, they've done scouting, they have kids signed, and they're going to stand up the team this summer. And then once they do, he was very specific that the full amount of teams or the whole academy setup will be completed. They'll have the yeah. full amount of teams, and that's very, very promising. So that that was breaking news to me. The fact that he mentioned that the um, they're they're still working out with clubs how they're going to approach the U14 level. And mm-hmm. by clubs, I took Gallagher Fuse, like all those other groups in the area that will essentially funnel players up, and and how they can work to develop those. And he almost kind of parlayed that into the City Futures program um, that that Sasha's running, and that they have with the the younger kids that are more or less treating that as like an id session because he also mm-hmm. commented that they're using that to kind of uh, uh, supplement identifying kids who are in high school and club yeah. teams and so another means of identification because we've always wondered like how are they going to how are they going to actually go into the community and find kids who aren't already a part of a team and this is how the city figure they're do it that's how they're going yeah. to do it and that's super promising that they already have that in place and that they're they're standing that up but I think that's going to play a factor into the U14s as well. So that to me was the biggest academy news that they had there. There was a lot of conversations around um, the middle of May, the 16s and 17s are going to Maryland for another little flex MLS next tournament. Um, they talked about the relationships with like JB Marine, Gallagher and fuse, but the fact that they're not having a 14 U14s in their academy and 15s through 17s is their full um Academy system that was the most interesting thing to me about the academy,
0: yeah, almost like it makes you wonder, I mean, who knows what happened, but it makes you wonder if they kind of handed that to them as like almost like a hey, <laughs> surely they're upset about losing some of their players, so you know, like maybe they're letting them take it to that point as like a gesture of good faith, we trust your training and why shouldn't they? In fact, that's what I, that's maybe the one thing I wanted to say about this uh, city voice is almost like he went so far to say, like, how good everything's been going. And the only thing missing was, like, um, you know, when he was going off on how great the St. Louis people are, you know, I think a lot of credit also goes to all the coaching and all the the programs that have come out of St. Louis, Scott Gallagher and Jamie Marine and, and uh, Lou Fuse, just all the, and that speaks to what st louis wants to and all the other things you mentioned but you know just to kind of take it one step further that you know we've got a good club system going here already in st louis and and perhaps taking away that youth 14 is part of their acknowledgement of that and and maybe um them not wanting to infringe on what's already here as well i don't know what you guys think about that but that was one of the things i got out of it um open table there was so much to talk about with this city voice podcast with Lutz. a lot of good stuff
4: yeah, yeah, he touched on so many points. Um, we could probably go another hour talking about yeah. uh, some of the podcast stuff to talk about.
0: Podcast. Yeah, but, a couple, of, a, yeah, but a
4: couple of yeah, but a couple of things that caught my attention. Um, Peter asked him, uh, uh, no, no, not Peter. Uh, came from the from the fans. Uh, somebody uh, actually was your question, Matt, about how. Uh, how uh, the new signings were going to uh, combine with the current team when when they come and um, obviously like all of us or at least me and other people i have talked to were thinking okay they're gonna come in july and start playing right away and he mentioned well they're gonna come from off season so basically they have to do like pre-season they'll be training Hmm. but uh by the time they are ready they're only gonna be a few games left, uh, so he said, yeah, they're going to get some minutes, but uh, it's not like they're going to take minutes away from from the players that are currently on, on the City 2 roster. So that was interesting to me. And the other thing that was interesting uh, is that, again, he, and he has mentioned this on several interviews, and um, I think he keeps mentioning because he knows some people will be disappointed once the final roster is announced like doesn't look like there is going to be like a big uh big well-known world star playing for for city sc uh it's all about the system they are looking for player for the system and the other thing is that uh it, it sounded he didn't say like an age but he said yeah we're not looking for for all for players in that older bracket that are towards the end of their careers so um I, that also caught my attention
0: he got man, he got um, passionate about it. I like, I love the the moment. I tweeted this today where he was like, "We don't want a retirement player. We don't want a player that's not gonna that's gonna give six or eight percent. He's gonna run six or eight sprints in an entire game to try to score a goal and then give up the rest of the game." He's like, "A player like this is a handbrake to us." And I love that phrase. It was so good. <laughs> he called a player a handbrake, and I took a few liberties in my tweet that I won't repeat now. But like. You, we can all picture that kind of player in MLS, you know, like didn't had no interest in working hard for that team, just wanted a paycheck to kind of live out the rest of his career in the United States. It's going How many away. Times have we
2: seen that? Yeah,
0: a lot. Hopefully it's leaving, you know, but, you know, there's a player It'd never that come I to St. Louis
2: match that match that mold. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Well, Go ahead. So one of the one of the things uh, Santiago mentioned, the, the MLS players coming in, I found that s- super interesting because it almost ha- forces us to reframe what we have now come to think as what will happen in July. Because early on, when we started signing these players, knowing that they're going to be not having a place to play or are we going to loan them out this fall, and then it eventually progressed to no, they're going to play for City Two, and us assuming that – As soon as they are eligible and they can register and sign, uh, they're going to play in July. And this kind of level set that for us. And I think we as fans need to understand that July 4th or 7th, whenever that transfer window opens, that's when they can officially be on City's roster or train or participate in team activities. But that Santiago mentioned Lutz said they're going to come off of uh, a vacation holiday they're going to have time off they're going to have to go through second preseason have training with the team so that 10 games or so that they have left where they may come in as 60 minute subs or they may play 60 minutes or maybe 90 here and there but they're not going to it's not going to like Klaus is going to completely supplant doling up front uh, from the moment he arrives and so that to me kind of gave a little um, breath of of, of, a a a nice exhale to the fact that guys that we were worried about, like Doling or Diaz, might lose minutes when it comes to these other guys who are coming in and play those same positions. I agree.
0: I felt
1: that really better, What better welcome to America than to come to Fair St. Louis right off the bat? They better get him here (laughs) like July 1st for that weekend.
2: (laughs) If I don't see... If I don't see, If I don't see Klaus, Ostrock, um, Berkey, Pedro, and Nilsson walking around the fairgrounds there at Forest Park, uh, I'm going to be so upset. I,
3: I, I do bet that most of those guys will be in St. Louis by July 1st. Yeah, yeah. I think they will. Yeah. I want to see the, them just
2: walking around as a big group, like led by Lute Hackenbin.
1: It's a disservice to their new life <laughs> in America if they don't. like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right off, right off the plane, right down, right downtown. If they
3: don't enjoy the 120 degree heat, <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. Fair St. Louis. Oh wait, is Fair Ferris- St. Louis at the arch this lights.
0: year? I think it's back at the arch.
2: Yeah,
1: should
0: be. Oh, Hannibal. Yeah, animal Budweiser and yeah, like uh, have some fireworks. Uh, what do we like? A funnel cake? I think they would need to try a funnel cake. And, yeah, just be, like, unbelievably sweaty from all the humidity. It won't even be that hot. They're just going to sweat like crazy from the humidity. Like, welcome to Missouri, boys. <laughs> That's great. Hold on. Get down, used Jake. to it. <laughs>
3: you made a mistake. Yeah, what have you done?
0: You signed already, pal. <laughs> You're stuck. <laughs> Stuart, any thoughts on what we've talked about? We should probably wrap it up. As usual, we've we've skipped our last highlight for the day. <laughs>
3: Uh, well, I I missed the One Voice podcast, um, but listening to you guys talk about uh, how Lutz was talking about how they wouldn't take up minutes immediately, my first thought is you want to get them in July 1st regardless. Primarily, main reason why, I get the that green card clock mm. going for next year. Yep. So get them in the second you can training and... Playing time is secondary at that moment, but it'll you just get that clock going and they'll move their way into the team. And uh, <clears throat> I I do think against the Rapids, Rapids too on July 2nd, we'll see at least a couple of the guys play or sub on, but maybe not start. The um, guy like Berkey who hasn't been playing for a while, maybe – he doesn't start right away, but I don't know if he comes over next week. Maybe he trains with the team for <laughs> six weeks and he, he wants to start. Maybe Creek needs a break and you start Berkey right off the bat on uh, July 2nd. I, I don't know, but <clears throat> there's so many exciting things going on with the team right now. So um, it, and it, it, it's great that we have games to talk about. And as, as much fun as this yeah. Anheuser-Busch announcement is going to be, it's really secondary to to the stadium, to the team, to players actually happening. Um, and it's not encompassing all of our world.
2: I agree. This is great. <laughs> I Grids, love that we have games. There's two other things that I wanted to say about City 2 that he talked about. One of them is just this This kind of story kind of embodies a lot of what he said about Bradley Carnell and uh, the purpose of City 2. But I thought it was really interesting that Luce mentioned he was traveling so much with the team, going to the different locations like Colorado Salt Lake over to the West Coast. And the thing that caught my attention is how he said that they're they're using all of these trips this year as data points mm. for next year where they have an opportunity to kind of, he called out seeing uh, what it's like to get from the airport to the hotel or from the hotel to the stadium, to the training grounds. How long does it take? Uh, what's what's the travel like? What's the altitude like in each one of those locations? How do our players, and, and when they went to Salt Lake, it was a perfect opportunity to see how their players react in those circumstances so that they could take that data to their kind of back office planning. And when they have to go to Real Salt Lake or Seattle or Portland, they now know what it's going to be like for their players and they can plan better as opposed to going out there brand new for the first time, traveling across the country into the unknown, hearing about what they may need to do and what it might be like, but not actually having been there or no. So I feel like it's almost a dress rehearsal in, in a sense for not just the the players but the staff and the coaches and having bradley carnell and having Lutz and hackworth the three kind of like the triumvirate who are going to be in charge of city next year be a part of all of that gives us such a unique opportunity to not enter the league next year like a true fresh expansion team and so they he mentioned a lot about um learning things this year and the last point that i have is he did mention um Peter asked him, will city two players now be in the MLS lineup next year? And we touched on this a little earlier and I wanted to save it for the end because it had me thinking a little differently about why we're not seeing Academy players yet. And I know it's only two months in, so this is probably a little early to be thinking about this, but then again, you know, we're probably a quarter of the way through the season or something like that. So if the theory is and the mindset is that the city two players Uh, and the purpose of this entire team is development to be able to take that next leap into the the MLS level, then the players that we're seeing now and that we're going to continue to see more and more of are those players who are probably going to find themselves playing for City next year. And it may seem obvious when you say it and when you think about it, like Doling is starting just about every game. Kuzain, Yarrow, uh, Celio, AJ, these guys are starting every single game. And so it's like you think they trust these players a lot to play the game, but that's not really what it is. It's not you trust the player to win. It's you want to see the most out of this player to develop and, and see as much of them as possible for this season because you are intending to sign them for, for the city team next year. And so all of these players that we're seeing so much of in this, these lineups, it, it gives me more and more, especially after hearing this, more and more confidence that these are the players who may find themselves on the city team next year, so we may be seeing Josh Doling. Who, if you listen to what he was saying about Klaus, everything he was saying about Klaus, and you you look back at what Doling's been doing this year, mm-hmm. that's that's it. He's doing exactly what uh, what Luce was describing. Klaus is going to do next year. So you see these mirrors of what they're saying for some of these MLS internationals. You see them get all this playing time when Luce is very directly saying that this year is all about developing them for next year. Y- you can't help but draw these kind of conclusions that it's not, it is about some of these Academy kids and, and growing. And you have your Aaron Herds who we are pretty sure are going to find themselves on the the city team next year, but it's more interesting. It's also interesting to see the city two players that we thought may just be placeholders are in fact proving themselves and gaining the trust in the system because it's all about the system. So that we're going to be finding them on this to the city MLS roster next year.
0: Hope so. We're rooting for these guys. We're already falling in love with them. So uh, I would love to see a bunch of them over there. Um, Other thing about what you said about uh, learning about travel, which is a big deal, as you heard in that in that interview, we're going to be the easternmost city in the Western Conference of MLS next year. And so. Yep. This it is more vital than people think about. It's the worst part about major league, about professional soccer in the world, (laughs) is is the U.S. travel. You know, as as far as travel is concerned, the U.S. is the worst. Just about. I think Russia's got a couple cities that are hard to get to, but uh, we're by far the worst. And there's complaints every other year about you know how many charter flights they're allowed to use as far as how much money right. they spend and stuff so it's yep. a big deal and we're going to be hearing about that in the future so something to think about there uh thank you guys so lucky to have you four to talk to every uh, other week basically is what we've been doing and um like Stuart said we've had games to talk about and other fun stuff to talk about and it's just getting better and better throughout the year so uh, we'll be hitting everybody back up in a couple more weeks we're going to change our recording day but it shouldn't affect much so hang with us thank you if you logged in with us tonight live and thank you for downloading if you're listening on the podcast we'll talk to you soon bye
2: go arsenal